the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, I'm here, and you're there, and and it's Friday, so why shouldn't we be happy? Yes, this is the Blaze Radio Network, Piero Pelka, second hour of the program today, and uh, it, there's there, <laughs> there's a bunch of different places, a bunch of different directions I could go this hour, and uh, we will have Billy Hallowell joining us at the bottom of the hour. Billy was supposed to be here yesterday on Throwback Thursday. I was trying to trying to make him. Uh, you know, uh, a guest on a regular basis on Thursdays to do something we want to call the faith lift, where we will focus on stories that kind of kind of have a faith component to them because we're people who have faith components to our own lives. And so uh, bottom of the hour, Billy Hallowell, I, I want to talk about uh, some some craziness, some real craziness. And by the way, since since it is a Friday and it's a free-for-all Friday and you're allowed to uh, jump in on any conversation, any level, 888 900 888-900-3393. It's a crazy day. Something happened. Something happened, uh, I think it was yesterday in New York. And um, this is a New York City councilman named Cabrera, a New York City councilman named Cabrera, who was speaking to a crowd of supporters. And um, anytime you can get um, a New York City councilman, uh, this guy's from the Bronx, District 14th, and he talks about peace, justice, and unity when he talks to his, his constituents. Uh, but as a, as a city council member, Fernando Cabrera frequently appears in public and talks about the things that he and his party are accomplishing. Well, um, he said something worth paying attention to. And I, I think this is head-scratchingly stupid. Is that a phrase we can use? I think so. Head-scratchingly stupid from New York City Democratic Councilman uh, Fernando Cabrera. Do you know it's harder being rich than being poor? I know you don't believe what I just said. I'm kind of stunned at what you just said. Can we go over that again, Fernando? Fernando Cabrera, speaking to constituents, he represents the 14th district in New York City in the Bronx. The Bronx, to those of you outside of New York. Uh, He just said it's harder being rich than being poor. Wait, what? Yes, he has reasons behind this, and he will give them to you. Do you know it's harder being rich than being poor? I know you don't believe what I just said. It's also harder being smart than it is being stupid. Maybe not. (laughs) It's harder to get to being smart than it is harder to get to being stupid. Anybody can be stupid. You just have to be not smart. This is unbelievable. But wait, there's more. Okay, I'll promise. I'm not going to stop. It's 45 seconds of progressive Bravo Sierra right here. 
Do you know it's harder being rich than being poor? I know you don't believe what I just said. But being rich, you got more responsibility. You have more things. So when you work nine to five and you just maintaining, okay, I got my thing. When you are rich, you have more things to work. Millionaire people, they have a lot of stuff to worry about, more stuff to manage, more stuff. It's really there, got there because of their ability to handle more pressure. Every CEO, every president that got in there and stayed there is because of their ability to handle pressure. They had increased their capacity. You know why your boss pays you what, what he pays you? Because of your capacity. I, I, just, I just think we may have heard, seen, as I'm watching it here, the dumbest thing of the week. Seriously. The dumbest thing of the week. Could there possibly be something dumber than what this city councilman just said? Is it, is it possible that now, now let's remember the people of New York elected this guy to represent them. And he wants you all to know And why is he doing this? Why do you think this guy is saying this to people? Why is he actually telling people in his constituent base that it's harder being rich than being poor? Is it because he wants them to accept their lot in life? Is that what this is? Is that seriously what's going on here? It seems like he blames blames low wages on laziness because he said your boss pays you what he pays you because of your capacity. In other words, if you can't do anymore, you're not going to get anymore. Well, somebody finally understands the concept of capitalism. Somebody finally understands that you should be paid according to your abilities and not based on some sort of social justice. Everybody gets the same thing. So there is a message in there that actually does kind of make sense, but the rest of this is the craziest crap I have heard anywhere today. I'm sorry, I got to play the whole thing one more time. Do you know it's harder being rich than being poor? I know you don't believe what I just said. But being rich, you got more responsibility. You have more things. When you work nine to five and you just maintaining, okay, I got my thing. When you are rich, you have more things to worry. Millionaire people, they have a lot of stuff to worry about, more stuff to manage, more stuff. It, it, it's really there, got there because of their ability to handle more pressure. Every CEO, every president that got in there and stayed there is because of their ability to handle pressure. They had increased their capacity. You know why your boss pays you what, what he pays you? Because of your capacity. That's about the only part of that I actually agree with. Your boss pays you what he pays you because of your capacity. You do a better job, your boss will pay you more. But as far as the beginning of this, that's saying it's harder to be rich than poor, that you, 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 don't, you have more to worry about when you're rich. I go back to uh, our life growing up when, when there were nine kids in the house and we weren't rich. We weren't poor, but we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination. We had bikes, not cars, when you turned 16, unless you went out and got a job and bought it yourself. 
But I, I guarantee you, my mom with her nine kids worried more about those nine kids than the rich people that we knew. And they might have had more stuff, but it wasn't more stuff to worry about. This is the most twisted story I've heard today. It's harder being rich than being poor. And if you've got your nine to five, you're not worried about anything. You're just going home and saying, I got my thing. Who, who are we electing? Can you imagine the decisions this guy makes in the city council of New York? I once again, thank you, God, for allowing us to get the hell out of New York City before it becomes Venezuela. Because you know that's happening. You know that's coming on down the pike. That is the, by far the dumbest thing I have heard this week. And this is from an elected official. Oh, my God. There's, there's more stupid today, but I wanted to share that one with you. If you can top that stupid, you're more than welcome to join the conversation. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. You're probably wondering, Mike, is there anything dumber than that? <laughs> Why, thanks for asking. Yes, there is. It was uh, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, the city of Philadelphia announced that, that they were in the middle of Gay Pride Month. I'm sorry, it's Pride Month because we have to include everybody, LGBTQ, RSTVUYWXYZ. Um, the city of Philadelphia was going to be bringing rainbow crosswalks to Philadelphia. Rainbow crosswalks because that's going to solve the problems. That's going to fix everything. So in Philadelphia, there, there's a section of Philadelphia that has a, a concentration of, of gay people. LGBTQRSTVUWXYZ community. And in this community, it is known uh, to the people in Philadelphia, and pr- pretty commonly so, the newscasters call it this, they call it the gayberhood. It's not a neighborhood, it's the gayberhood. And I'm sure if somebody who was uh, like a super straight anti-gay person called it the gayberhood, they'd be called out for saying a derogatory term. But no, everybody in Philly seems to have wrapped their heads around this. And they've all accepted that the, the neighborhood and 13th and Locust Streets, those are, those are fondly known, the, those blocks as the gayberhood. So the city decided that they were going to do something uh, sort of eye-catching. And they were going to paint the rainbows on the crosswalks. Not a bad idea, I guess, if you're trying to say, hey, this is the neighborhood that is more gay friendly than any other neighborhood. So, boom, they painted the crosswalks there. And the the estimated cost of this for the crosswalks to be painted with with the rainbow flag was twenty six thousand dollars. And I thought, yeah, okay. I'm sure Philly's going to find a place to get $26,000. And it turns out, if you read the reporting by the Philadelphia Gay News, I'm sure it's on all of your newsstands, that um, the Gaberhood Rainbow Crosswalks actually cost less than that. Huh. How is it 
how is it that uh, that they're able to to make that less expensive than any other government program. Because if they're able to do it and, uh, and they're able to keep doing it, uh, good for them and let them work on other government projects if you're that efficient. Well, this thing of painting the crosswalks with the LGBTQ, RSTV, UWXYZ uh, rainbow caught the attention of other cities. But here's what I want to know. If you're doing this, if you're, if you're painting your crosswalks now to, to indicate uh, the, your pride in pride, whatever, have you solved all the other problems if you're spending extra money on this? Really, have you solved all the problems? Because um, in, in Georgia, in Atlanta, where they, they've been sparring over budgets lately because the city is trying to make sure they have enough money. They have a $500 million budget, and they've been going back and forth arguing over where they're going to spend their money. They finally looked like they've come to grips with it, and they've, um, they've adjusted everything they need to do. And, and it looks like Atlanta's actually in fairly decent shape, but I know every city has, has problems and places they should, they should focus their spending. But um, the Rainbow Crosswalks are now in Atlanta. Atlanta has followed up on what Philly did and the intersection of 10th Street and Piedmont Avenue. So it looks like one, one crosswalk, one crosswalk, 198000 dollars. Why could it be done in Philadelphia, a city with infinitely greater union presence? And an infinitely greater focus on uh, government doing more and spending more. Why was Philly able to actually bust the initial budget of 26000 when Atlanta spends almost two hundred grand on this? Well, Atlanta's saying, of course, that covers maintenance for a year. So that's 200000 a year? You know... Uh, Philly could paint it fresh every month for a year based on what they paid. The mayor says the project does not take away any money from funding to repair Atlanta's roads and folks who talk about potholes and other things. That's a false choice because we did the rainbow doesn't mean we're not filling potholes. Just because we did the rainbow doesn't mean we're not filling potholes, but have you solved all the other problems in the city, Mayor? Is everything else in Atlanta okay? I'm just asking. It's, it's enough already. We all know. We're all accepting. It's all good. $200,000 for a crosswalk. Seriously, even Philly did it for about a tenth of that. Philly. Uniontown. Northeast. Expensive. Come on, Atlanta. You're better than that. Mike Opelka and Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, just around the corner from our uh, hopefully regular visit with Billy Hallowell from Faithwire, former Blaze Faith editor, a colleague that we stayed in touch with, one of the one of the nicer people in the free world. And uh, I love to call him a demon, but he is a nice guy. Um, just, just a gem of a human being. Of course, when I get on the air with him, we'll have to call him something completely different. Uh, I, I will get to the Trump stuff and uh, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little fed up with the slow drip of this story. Just a little fed up. But that's coming up later in the show. A big auction next week on the 20th. So that would be next next Thursday. There's kind of a huge auction. This is kind of cool. Sotheby's has a NASA auction happening. And um, this is a um, an auction that deals with a, a lot of our moon stuff. One of the highlights of this auction happening, obviously, on the 20th anniversary of Apollo 11, when Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. For those of us who actually believe we went to the moon, one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind, there is a 12-inch by 8.5-inch pouch that Neil Armstrong used to scoop up rocks and dust. And um, it's... uh, it's estimated to go for $2 million. The white bag has the words lunar sample return on the side. And um, this, this is interesting. This appeared two years ago at a seized assets auction on behalf of the U.S. Marshals Service. And uh, one, one of the geology buffs scooped it up for $995, sent it to NASA for authentication, they have refused to giving it back, saying uh, no. But the the person who scooped it up, Nancy Lee Carlson, won the legal battle. So it could net two million dollars on on a one thousand dollar investment. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in there. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there are typewritten notes from Russian cosmonaut Yuri Alexeyevich following his 1961 journey aboard Vostok 1. Uh, much going on. These are, these are some great artifacts from the space age. And as a kid of the space age, somebody watched the moon landing and, and the man on the moon with my grandfather. I'm curious to see what the heck this brings. Just a little sidebar item. When we get back, uh, Billy Hallowell. My buddy from Faithwire, he has a couple of really interesting stories, and I'm not sure if he has an update on the Charlie Guard story. We'll tell you what we have found out this morning, or this afternoon, as it were, and uh, we'll we'll dig into a little bit of uh, a little bit of the God stuff. It's a faith lift on a Friday. I'm Pure Opelka. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. And uh, the swirl is continuing in Washington, D.C. as as this latest breaking news about a, quote, former Russian counterintelligence officer, close quote, who was in the meeting with Donald Trump Jr. and Paul Manafort and uh, Kushner and that Russian lawyer. This now gets drizzled out today. We'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit. I've got a bigger fish to fry. Our buddy, our pal, my former colleague, Billy Hallowell from Faithwire is joining us on the phone. Uh, you know, Billy and I stayed in touch even after he left the blaze. And uh, despite despite his abandonment, uh, I've stayed in touch with him just because I think I can save him. I think that it's part of my mission. So welcome back, sir. <laughs> oh, Palka. Oh, Palka. Uh, have you told I know I heard you told everybody that I was a total disgrace. Because I uh, I missed yesterday's show, which I which I'm so sorry about. I apologize. Well, the best part of it, and I saved all the text messages in case they're ever <laughs> subpoenaed, uh, is that you're declaring yourself an idiot. Well, yeah, I mean, I do that all the time, though, and and yes, I am an idiot. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yesterday was a ridiculous day that was um, idiocy of my own making. So yes, I did admit that to you, Opelka, and I'm glad that you shared it with the world. I actually well, got a see, text about that (laughs) here's here's what i think is is at play here and i think it's it's a fault of of you you actually try to do too much and that's not a bad thing but billy hallowell is the kind of guy that when media people like myself or uh, our our old buddy another former colleague andrew Wilcall, when we reach out you try to do everybody and then because you're in new york city and you rely on the subway, you know you're going to get screwed over by the city and get stuck somewhere in a sweaty uh, subway car trapped underneath 6th Avenue somewhere, and you're going to be late for something, if not everything. So it's it's just that New is York true. is the problem, not Billy Hallowell. It, it, well, no, it's a Billy Hallowell problem. Too. I think in my head I can do this. I have a half an hour to get there, but yeah, in New York, a half an hour might not be enough. And... You know, you know how it is. There's always something else that creeps up. And so I apologize. I left you hanging yesterday, but I'm here today. So you should be happy, right? Well, you know, we're big on forgiveness here. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's one of the things that at least I'm big on because I want eventually people to forgive me. <laughs> and it might not happen that quickly. Hey, a question. Did you hear the breaking news about the Charlie Guard story? Uh, about the doctor who's going to be flying out there? Yeah, and I'm happy that they're going to let the doctor come out, but I really think this is just slowing it down until Charlie dies. I hate to say that, but it's really infuriating to me. What is so insane about this, and we've, and I know people have talked this to death, is that, I mean, to me, the reality is when you have a situation in the U.S. when a parent won't treat their child for religious reasons and the government steps in, that is completely different from parents wanting to treat their child and being prevented by the government, even though everyone's saying it's the hospital, it's not the government. I mean, we can go through who owns health care in the U.K. if everybody wants to have that conversation. But the, why we wouldn't allow parents to take their child out of a hospital after they've raised $2 million and fly that child somewhere to a doctor, just like the doctors at that hospital who is highly qualified, 
to give an experimental treatment that might have even a small chance of improving this kid's life. Why we won't allow that, I I cannot figure this out. But I do think that we're seeing a little lens into the future of what America could end up being like at some point. And I think it's terrifying, to be honest. It is terrifying, and you're you're absolutely right to make that comparison about what what if a parent refused treatment to a child. We all know the government steps in, but now it's a parent wanting to treat a child, and the government stepping in and saying, "Oh no, you can't." So I am. It's we're going to be watching all weekend, but I sadly think, and I've been kind of overwhelmed with this feeling ever since we heard about this this latest development. I'm kind of overwhelmed, Billy, with the feeling that. They're just delaying so that this this child can die, and then they can say, "See, see, we told you." And it, it's, well, yeah, of course, it's not right. Of course, and I think you know, really, what what is happening here is we have a situation where the government thinks it knows best, and we have it's just insane. If there were no doctors willing to treat him, if there was no no private money willing to pay for it, you know, it might be a different situation. If there was zero hope. I mean, obviously, there's nobody to treat this kid. But now the doctor who wants to treat him is actually going to fly all the way from New York over to the U.K. to assess him and see whether or not this – because, by the way, this doctor hasn't really seen the kid yet. He hasn't examined him yet. So this will be the first time that happens, and he will give an assessment to the court. I just it's, – it boggles my mind that this is where we are right now and that we have people on Twitter. I'm seeing people – because I've been saying some things about this, and, and I'm getting these responses from people in the U.K. who are accusing me of attacking their health care system. That's not what I'm attacking at all. What I'm saying is when you give the government full power and control and they're running health care and you're going to the courts to try to have a remedy, you're going to the very government that essentially owns the health care system that has made a decision. So – Good luck getting very far in that system. That, that's a very scary thing, and I, I feel for those parents. Well, I, I am attacking the British healthcare system, so if, if you have anybody that you want to direct me to, fire away. But let's, 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 let's continue on this adventure. You posted a story on faithwire.com about this stunning find about the human brain and proving the timeless wisdom of the Bible. Yeah, I love this because, you know, the Bible tells us give, give to others, you know, love your fellow man, do things for others, help those in need. And there's this really interesting study out. It came out a few days ago. It's uh, titled A Neural Link Between Generosity and Happiness. And it's a pretty small sample size, in fairness. It's only about 50 people. But these researchers, they looked at, at the human brain and they basically gave these 50 people, they split them in half and they gave them a lump sum of money and they told them that, They're going to give them this money every week, and half of them were supposed to give the money to somebody else to be generous with the money. The other half were supposed to spend the money on themselves. And basically what these researchers discovered was that those who gave the money to somebody else who were generous were much happier as a result overall than those who were spending the money on themselves. And they measured the happiness levels before the experiment. So it wasn't something that, you know, these people were – happy beforehand. It was actually, they believe, this act of giving the money and being generous, making these people happier. So it sort of backs up what we already knew. You know, I think a lot of us want to hold on to our money and our things, and you know, we don't want to give them up. But we do know that when we do that, it doesn't just benefit the person who you're giving it to. It also can benefit us. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing. That's a great message. But, you know, frankly, Billy, the, whoever these people are, they got this money to conduct this study. They could have just read Scrooge. <laughs> that's true. 
that is so you know, true. Dickens so told true. us this. Forget. Yeah, but we forget. We, and, and here's we do. the thing: I love that science. I love that science validates so many of the things we already know, I, I, particularly when it comes. You know, to faith and the elements of faith, and people dismiss the Bible and all. But then we have these these studies that come out, and it's like, yeah, here here we are. These very things that have been taught for thousands of years actually are true. Believe, yeah, can you imagine? Um, <laughs> yeah, who who knew? You know, Ted Cruz's dad used to say, "You pick up the Bible, and it's it's really an operating manual. Read the thirty lessons in Proverbs over and over again, and just take one a day, and follow that." You know, there are playbooks there that. That hold up. And we're talking to Billy Hallowell from Faithwire. If this works out, you know, this kind of audition thing, we might have him back on Fridays to do a Faith Lift Friday thing, depending on his ability to find his way from the subway to his office. It's, it's really a scary thing. It's remarkable, isn't it? It's, well, look, look at you talking up big now that you don't have to live in New York. Oh, I'm very happy. I'm so happy we don't live in New York. You know, I miss alternate side of the street urination. I have to tell you that. <laughs> and it's that mystery just... smell that extends from May to October every year. That you oh, just my God. And then you when you walk over a sewer grate, there's something going on underneath New York City that is akin to Ghostbusters 2, you know, <laughs> with that green river of slime that's underneath the city. And there's something and the cooking down there. The smoke. What is the smoke that's constantly coming out everywhere? And you and you're stuck. Sometimes you're stuck breathing it in. And you're like, what in the world am I? Is this? You know, I don't even know. Is it some form of arsenic that is coming up that I'm breathing in? I don't even know. It's but, the opposite um, of no, the contrails. I, I would love to come back. It's the opposite <laughs> of the contrails that Alex Jones talks about. Ah, it's the smoke coming up from underneath the city. It's controlling okay, everybody. I, I heard Alex Jones and I was done. So that that was it. I'm I'm done. All right, one I got I'm I know it's tight time. I I got to get one more story out of you. This story about we talked about forgiveness. The mom's forgiveness for the man who killed her daughter, unbelievable. Yeah, this is crazy. This girl Summer Lee died in a car accident and her mother at the sentencing for the guy who who hit this girl. You know, it was a, it was a car crash. Um the guy was his name's Daniel Crane. He is being forced by a judge as part of um, his sentencing to carry around a photo of Summer. Um, now, it's a really tragic case, but the reason the judge chose to have him carry around that photo is he wants it to be a reminder. And he was very moved, this judge, because Summer's mother got up in the courtroom at the sentencing and offered forgiveness. She read a statement and offered forgiveness to this man um, who, in this accident, had taken her daughter's life. And Really just a sad situation, but it does show the power of forgiveness. And in an interview um, after the fact, she said, you know, I know that my faith requires me to forgive him and I have to, and I have to do this. And so I think, you know, it's a real test of our conviction. We can say we're going to forgive, but when you see somebody like this who's lost a child able to stand up in a courtroom and offer that forgiveness, it doesn't get much more powerful than that. Uh, that's a huge statement. And it's something that, you know, I... When I carry little grudges against people, I need to be reminded with stories like this. So thank you, because it, it just to let go is going to open you up to so much better stuff. Just to just to release it and say it's okay, uh, I forgive not, you. And it also makes just... you the bigger person. It's like me saying to you, "I forgive you for stiffing us yesterday." <laughs> and it's not, and forgiveness <laughs> isn't just for the the other person. It's really for you. You've got to heal yourself. You can't let that other person control you with anger forever, you know, as hard as, as hard as that is. And so I think that's the, 
and look, you you look at the forgiveness we've all been given, and you got to kind of be a little bit convicted by that. So I love I love these stories, and I think this mom is great. Well, it's wonderful. Two wonderful stories. I'll tweet out links to them. Billy Hallowell, where's the best place to find you? Is it Twitter or somewhere else? You can find me on Twitter at Billy Hallowell, and also you got to go to faithwire.com for a ton of great faith and culture stories. I, I enjoy it. I'm there regularly, and I appreciate you, and I miss you like a front tooth, my friend. <laughs> I miss you too, Opelka. Have I'll a be back great weekend, week. Billy. Have... Come, come back soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> there he goes, Billy Hallowell. Uh, faithwire.com is where you can find his stuff. Just great stories, uplifting, and things we need on a Friday, things we need every day. And what do we need right now? A break. We'll be right back. I'm Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's get this straight. I've been talking about uh, Relief Factor for about three months now, and it's been working for me for exactly three months and uh, one day. So uh, it kicked in on the eighth day, and I'm very happy about it. But don't take my word for it. Jay and Linda actually came by the Blaze offices and talked to us about their experience with the all-natural anti-inflammatory Relief Factor. I've got constant pain in both knees and uh, in my left hip. It's just been miserable pain and I would just endure it until I was almost in tears and crawling along the backside of the couch for support. So I ordered it and Linda came home and I said, I got this for us. In about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks for both of us, we noticed the difference. All of a sudden I had to start thinking, when was the last time I really felt that sciatica pull? When was the last time I was very uncomfortable by the end of the day. It has made a difference just the way I get up out of bed and getting out of a chair. Think about that. Getting out of bed and getting out of a chair changed because you got the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Go there. Find out. Check out Relief Factor or call them at 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It works for me. It works for Jay and Linda and thousands of other Blaze listeners. Relief Factor. Check it out. Coming up next hour. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I yelled at California earlier in the week because they're, they're paying um, their Board of Ed almost double what teachers make. And the Board of Ed is not happy. Well, there, there's another crime in, in payment in education that I have to point out, and we'll get to that. Uh, we also have some uh, black pastors who have decided to sue Coca-Cola. And, and you won't believe why. You might guess why. But the, we've got to get into that story. And um, I, don't know if, I don't know if I can. Well, I can't explain this one in the time I have remaining. But we, we have a little mission we have to do. Plus, it is, a, uh, it is a Freestyle Friday. If you want to discuss anything, you can pick up the phone and, and talk to us here. 
888-900-3393, Of course, I have the Cash for Clunker story, too. And the other time, the Russians tried to get a Democrat elected. We'll talk about that next hour on Pure Opelka. Come on back. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.